What should your single biggest priority be when you start a new job in competitive intelligence? And how should the way you manage your time change as your CI team grows? These are a couple of questions I asked Gal Torren, JFrog's competitive intelligence team lead and today's guest on the show. Gal has a background in academic and think tank research and has spent the last eight years tackling competitive intelligence hands-on across the tech space from cybersecurity to DevOps. You're listening to another episode of the Compete Clarity podcast, so sit back, relax, and join me in welcoming Gal Torren to the show. So you've been working in competitive intelligence roles since as far back as 2016. Do I have that right? Yes, doing purely competitive intelligence since 2016, just about. Right, awesome. Okay, so I thought we'd kind of start there because uh, it sounds to me from, from what you've told me before the call that yours is a story pretty much of overcoming. You mentioned that someone who's now a very close partner of yours once said, uh, but I'll, I'll quote this directly, I don't see how you'll be able to succeed in this role with no technical background, end quote. Tell us a bit about that, how an early comment like that affects you when you're kind of new to competitive intelligence and how you've, well, quite clearly done very well and succeeded in spite of that lack of a technical background. Yeah, so that was a very, um, a true story that was a uh, stung for a bit, but after it was a great success for me because, like you said, I overcame that. Uh, so, um, you know, when you come into competitive intelligence, you aren't usually the subject matter expert when you come into a new company. Uh, you have to gain that knowledge because you move from one company that might be doing uh, business in one domain, might be B2B, another company that's maybe B2C, and you have to learn a new domain. Uh, so you're never the subject matter expert when you come to a new company. And I think the most important thing when you're starting out at a new company in this role, or generally when you're new at this role, is to build trust with, with the stakeholders that you have and to make yourself uh, available to them, but in a trustworthy way, uh, not just to be, okay, I can build this for you, I can build that for you, but actually listen to their pain points, um, show that you care. Uh, at JFrog, one of our biggest uh, codex values is uh, caring. So that's one thing that I value a lot. And generally as a company, we value. So I think when you care, when you show you care uh, and you ask the right questions, you're able to show that you're, you, you're able to show your commitment to that competitive intelligence and show your commitment to doing the business, driving the business, and you'll succeed that way. Got you. Okay. So that technical background that, that this person mentioned, um, they were speaking specifically about um, the technicals with regard to the the company itself and the work that yes, they yes. do. Yes, I don't think than... I don't think you need a purely technical background uh, to come into competitive intelligence. Um, that depends. Um, I think people come to competitive intelligence from a variety of backgrounds, and no one. We always say no one goes to school for competitive intelligence. You don't get a degree in competitive intelligence, so you kind of learn that along the way. Uh, the technical part comes in, yes, when you're in a new company, in a new role within that new company, and you need to, you're serving uh, customers that need to feel like you're understanding them and feel like you're talking their language, uh, not uh, just um, marketing fluff, but actually speaking value and speaking to their pain points. Uh, and to do that, you need to go through the seller's pain points and the sellers in your organization gain their trust. Once you're able to do that, they'll also be thankful and give you the right intel that you need to be successful later on. 
Right. Okay. So when someone's coming into CI for the first time, you'd say the most important thing for them is to establish trust with their key stakeholders first. So, you know, if someone's coming in, they're wondering, what do I prioritize first as kind of a, a project or a job to get done? That for you would be the first and most important thing. 100%. 100%. Um, again, those people might uh, distrust you in the beginning because you're not from their domain. You don't speak the right lingo yet. Um, you've come from outside. Uh, once you show them that you care, once you show them that you're committed to listening to their pain points, to listening to what they're hearing from the field, to listening to what they need from you to succeed in that business, then you'll be able to gain their trust and they'll trust you and you'll you'll be able to um, gain a good relationship out of that. Cool, cool. One thing that you put down in some notes for me was uh, the words prove commitment to learning, improving and helping. And I think that's so important, right? Like you really want these people to, all of your stakeholders to understand that you're on board with them and you might not have all the answers right away, but this is something, it's a work in progress and the first iteration might not be the best one, but it's also just the first iteration. It's not the final version of whatever it is that you're giving them enablement, content, battle cards, whatever it is. It's a work in progress to move towards that end goal for them. It's going to be better for everybody. I absolutely agree. In the end, we're human. Uh, we all have emotions, uh, whether we like to show them or not. Uh, when you tap into people's emotions and uh, you're able to, again, gain their trust, show your commitment, uh, you'll be able to collaborate with them a lot better and also show uh, vulnerability sometimes. Uh, again, like you said, you're not going to know everything day one. You're not going to provide the best uh, service or the best deliverables day one. Um, you need to show that you don't know sometimes and ask the right questions. Uh, be humble and you'll be able to, when you show vulnerability, uh, people tend to come towards that and try to help you uh, with what you need as well. Right, right. So let's say someone listening to this has uh, a new competitive intelligence role lined up at a new business. How much do you think they should stress or worry if they already are about bringing themselves up to speed before day one um, or on kind of the market, on the competitors, on doing all of that work? You know, it, because I feel like people must feel pressure to come in and be that subject matter expert even though it's kind of, you know, it's, it's not necessarily fair on themselves. It's not necessarily a fair expectation for other people internally to have on them, but it might exist anyway. Do you think that's something people should worry about? Or do you think they should just kind of relax into it and develop at their own pace in the role as best they can? Yeah, I think uh, as always, the answer is somewhere in between. Uh, I think it's natural to stress out about that and you want to be the best and you want to show that you're knowledgeable and able to learn quickly. Uh, but on the other hand, you also need to, I don't think you can prepare a lot uh, beforehand. I think you can prepare to a certain extent, but coming into the company, listening to the people who have who have been those subject matter experts uh, for a longer time than you, looking into their experience, um, speaking to them, that will definitely help you. So stress a bit because that's natural and that's okay. Um, and don't let yourself cruise along too long. I think give yourself a, a short grace period, and then at, at some point you'll you'll find yourself understanding just as things go. Yeah, yeah, that sounds very wise. And and I hear this a lot from people that I speak to. Um, you know, like you said, one of the first things to do when you come on board in a new business is build trust with the with your other stakeholders. 
Um, but one of the first points of call for gathering competitive intelligence is the subject matter experts already in the business, is speaking to sales, is speaking to customer success, and just bringing yourself up to speed and centralizing the intel that's kind of already disparately scattered through the heads, if you like, of other people uh, in the business. Is that something that you tend to do early on when you're building a compete program, you know, consulting those different departments? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you start in an organization, um, you you want to succeed as well. Uh, but also, on the other hand, you see a lot of people pulling you in, in, in different directions. They already have that intel, like you're saying. They might not have had the time to organize it properly. And now you've come in finally, and they're happy to see you, and they're happy to have someone to finally get that stuff done and get those battle cards ready. Uh, get all that um, research done and tell people internally what what they're uh, expecting or what they're supposed to expect when they're out in the field. Um, so it's it's a bit hard in the beginning when you're pulled into all of those different directions. Um, my tip for that um, when everybody wants something from you right now is to hold on a second, ask a few uh, trustworthy people, like I said before, just um, what are the try to figure out what the top five, competitors that you need to focus on uh, for the first uh, few months are. Uh, just start with those, provide quick value on those, not even a full battle card in the beginning. This can be uh, even a, a quick doc, uh, a Word doc, a Google doc with uh, a few key points for your sellers. Uh, you can do that uh, with the internal knowledge that people already have. Get that out there, get that into the field about those top five competitors and start iterating on that, starting to build that out more. Um, so that's that's what I tend to do uh, in in the early stages. Just figure out who's against who, uh, who who are my top uh, five threats, top three to five maybe. Um, map those out, provide quick value, and then continue to iterate on that and and expand more. Um, and another thing I really recommend doing right when you start. And that's uh, something that's very easy to get going uh, relatively easily and fast is a weekly newsletter or maybe a monthly newsletter. If you can't do it weekly yet, um, that's good for quick visibility just to get everyone to know there's someone doing CI in the company right now, someone who's uh, taking care of this. You can be calm. Uh, there's someone to send this stuff to when you hear about something uh, someone in the company to an address to go to. Um, I think that's something and getting everybody up to speed um, on a weekly or monthly basis. That's something that's um, a quick win, in my opinion. Got you. Got you. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Like, So when you first come in, it's about understanding your limitations and what you can do with the time and resources you've got, um, prioritizing for the main competitors. Um, and starting a bit of that conversation around competitive intelligence and putting your own name out there as, as um, you know, as a, as a resource and as a trusted advisor on this stuff, as the subject matter expert you're going to become through um, a newsletter at a frequency of weekly or monthly, whatever you can sort of handle in the beginning. And again, uh, like you said before, and, and um, reiterating on that, um, you're not going to have all of the knowledge in the beginning. So just um, just being that someone who people can turn to with the knowledge that they have that you might not have yet, uh, but they're not capable of doing a lot with it because they're not in the right role uh, or they don't have the time, the capacity for it. 
you they now know you you can um they now know they have you to go to and um that's that's absolutely a quick win and a quick starter right awesome um so okay before we go any further let's just get a bit more context around what CI kind of looks like for you first of all how large is is the team is it just you is it you and one other person a slightly larger team yeah, thankfully, it's not just me anymore. Uh, it was just me for about three years, uh, and we are now a team of four. Uh, so uh, we've grown very uh, quickly, actually, um, and uh, we're global as well. So we're spread out across the world, different time zones, and uh, yeah, growing and and achieving a lot of stuff for the company. Great, great. And um, who are your main stakeholders for CI specifically? Who do you serve uh, most of the time? Right. Um, great question. We serve uh, everyone. Uh, again, everyone wants competitive intelligence. Once you're in the organization, they're uh, hungry for it. Uh, I think, first of all, our primary stakeholder, we are part of the, my team is part of the CTO office, uh, which is kind of a unique uh, breed of um, organizational decision for, for JFrog. Uh, but I think it fits for JFrog very, very well. Uh, so our primary stakeholder is the CTO office and uh, thinking uh, technology first, product first, uh, what other things are we seeing in the market um, that we can benefit our customers with and looking ahead into the market in that sense. Um, because JFrog is a very tech, tech forward company and product forward company. Aside from that, sales is a very big stakeholder of ours. Um, we have... Um, a few hundred people using um, our competitive enablement platform. Uh, we use Clue. So we have a, um, quite a few sellers using that um, and great success rates and great um, uh, usage rates on that. So that's really nice to see. Um, we also serve marketing a lot. So for marketing campaigns, um, website, uh, building things that we need to do a lot of, uh, external comparisons that we do for competitive, um, and, and generally just positioning and marketing and, um, messaging. That's something that's important, uh, to compete with as well. Um, and, uh, I think aside from those three, I will mention also product, the product team kind of connecting to the CTO office as well. Same thing, technology. And um, at the top of the iceberg, there's uh, the executive team, which we serve uh, as well on a um, um, weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis, depending on what we do with them. But yes, uh, the executive executive team is also um, very involved in competitive intelligence, very hungry for it, and um, gets gets a lot of it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, well, congratulations on the growth of the team of four. I bet that's massively helpful because this sounds like a I mean that's a broad uh, range of stakeholders there um but I, I'm I'm interested to learn actually when it was just you um, how on earth did you manage that spread how did you manage your time to deliver effectively to all of those stakeholders great question uh so it wasn't all of them at first uh what I suggest starting with um and going back to what we discussed before I think um, starting out with value for sales, for the sales team is the most important thing for you, uh, starting out in a new role. Um, we don't like to think about it 
but in the end, we're in business. Uh, business is money. Um, sellers make money, and the um, uh, what the company is trying to do is make money. So if you can tap into the source that's making money, which are, are the sellers, uh, and you can prove your value there, show how competitive intelligence is important in in uh, sales deals, uh, showing how you can win those deals with competitive intelligence or reduce your losses, that's something that can um, be helpful, show your value, show, show your worth, and also help you grow the team eventually and get more people on board. So definitely sales. Um, after that, marketing kind of comes along with that. Um, because when you're looking into stuff for sales, you're looking into competitors' weaknesses, but you're also looking into competitors' strengths. That's something very important as well. We shouldn't, shouldn't neglect that. Um, and uh, sellers will most likely uh, ask you for that stuff because they don't want to be tackled with uh, something they don't know about a competitor. So once you're looking into their, those strengths, you're looking basically into what that competitor is saying about themselves, what they're highlighting about themselves. Um, that is re relating to their messaging and their positioning in the market. Uh, from that, you can get intel for marketing uh, to position against for marketing campaigns and, and your own uh, marketing team. So uh, definitely marketing comes along with sales and you can kind of, um, I don't know, don't want to kill birds, but you can do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I did after that, um, is, um, is also provide some value for the product team. And again, it kind of builds, everything builds, um, upon the other thing, the previous thing that you did. Uh, so you've proven value to sales, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, um, build on that. You have something for marketing, build on that. You have, uh, product differentiators or product weaknesses for your product team, which they can benefit from, uh, start working with them. And um, executive team is definitely something at a more mature stage of your program, of your uh, experience as a person in a career um, who's managing their own career. That's something that is a bit, that comes a bit later, in my opinion. Right, right. Okay. Um, and now then that you're a team of four, what is the typical week uh, in, in terms of like how you split up your time? How has that changed? How does that look different now from um, when it was just you um, supplying Intel and analysis to all these stakeholders? Yeah, I like that question. Uh, I'm thinking a lot about that uh, these days. Yeah, so it's a lot more about managing the team. Um, I, I didn't even think, it's obvious, I didn't take that into account when I um, I just thought, okay, that's something else I'll be doing. Uh, but, uh, I definitely do less of the actual analysis myself. I still do that. Um, but I, uh, I manage the team more, uh, I have more time and to, to do more, uh, like broader projects, um, that aren't specifically urgent for a specific product launch or for a specific, uh, competitor that's starting to come up against us more. Um, I have time to do more like cross-functional things, um, and definitely, definitely mature the program. The next thing I'm looking forward to a lot is, uh, showing we haven't done, done that properly yet. I want to show the, um, uh, our ROI of the compete program. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Show, show how we're 
uh, proving value, show how we're attaching ourselves to revenue, uh, how we're impacting win, uh, win and loss rates and stuff like that. So that's, that's the next uh, maturity level I want to get to. Awesome. Awesome. And um, going back to what you said about, um, you know, prioritizing sales for people in the beginning when they come in, presumably that ties in again with something that you mentioned uh, as well, the importance of getting ROI quickly when you come in. Why get ROI quickly at all? Uh, interesting question. So for a few reasons, um, I didn't have that problem at JFrog at least, but I know a lot of people struggle with uh, getting people on board with competitive intelligence and getting them to realize that it's something that you need to do as a company. Luckily at JFrog, um, it was clear to everyone, um, starting from the CEO to like every, everyone on in the chain, um, is on board and that was easy for me. So I didn't have to do that, but sometimes that's why you have to prove your value and, and bring quick, um, visibility, quick wins, quick ROI. Um, Another reason is that, aside from that, I think that even if executives are convinced that you need competitive intelligence, it's not necessarily a, a full role for someone. It, I think it should be, and, and we probably practitioners think it should be and see the value of doing it as a full-time job, but uh, it's not a traditional role. It's not a must-have role in a company. And today, uh, in today's economy, um, I hate saying that, um, it's kind of cliche, but, but we're seeing, uh, less and less job opportunities in this, in this field. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of layoffs in general in in a lot of companies across the board. So, um, I think to show that you, you, um, are worth your salary and you are worth, uh, keeping on the company, uh, that's something that is important as well. Um, and, um, and just to get everyone excited in the end and, and get everyone to trust you and to be able to do your job better in, in the long term. Um, yeah, to show your commitment, to show that this is important for the company and, uh, you need to grow the team. You need to invest more in this. People need to listen to you as well. Uh, you can be the advisor that no one listens to you to, or you can, um, again, I, I'm saying trust a lot, but I think that's very important. You can gain that trust and be the trusted advisor that people listen to. And actually, um, that ROI can be not only proving your value, but also making an impact on the company's decisions, on the company's uh, products and go to market. There's a lot of opportunities there. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, something that you've kind of really championed for us at Competitive Intelligence Alliance is uh, this tool, the Competitor Scorecard. So I wanted to talk about that quickly. Um, first of all, why use one? Why do you think people um, should be using them? How can they be helpful to practitioners in the day-to-day -day of their role? Yeah, um, I'll start with a quick story, uh, how the, store, the scorecard um, came to be. So uh, I was speaking with my manager and uh, a few years ago when we were dealing with a bunch of priority issues, uh, a lot of requests coming in from different directions, a new competitor every now and then that we heard of and that we didn't know how to prioritize and how to, like, should we give resources to the research around that or not? Um, and, uh, we were kind of struggling with prioritizing a lot of things. And, um, we decided to try to translate those qualitative insights that we had, those, um, 
thoughts that we had, those words and thoughts that we had about those competitors into actual data and actual numbers. And we created this framework to translate those qualitative insights into data to make to then make a scorecard, uh, a weighted scorecard to see which are your top competitors based on the aggregated score that they get um, in that in that framework. I think that's helpful for a lot of different cases. Um, so for me, it, we were already an existing CI function. Uh, and we were getting a lot of requests about new competitors that we've never we've never heard of. Um, and we might have to uh, dedicate more resources to them, um, but we weren't sure. So you can put that new competitor into that formula, see how they rank against other competitors and get a quick decision on, is this a big threat to me or is this something that I can um, that can kind of continue uh, under my radar for a while? Um, also, if you're a new CI function or new in your role, like we were talking about before, it can help you a lot to understand who those top three or top five competitors are. Um, so you can do that based on what people tell you, but you can also then take what those people tell you, put it into that framework, um, make it go through that process, translate it, it into data, um, and, and basically get that top three, top five, um, threat map that you need to look into first. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I think this is, I think is a great idea and the feedback we've had on it, by the way, has been really, really strong. If anyone listening to this, um, hasn't checked it out yet, I'll put a link to, um, Gail's blog in the show notes and, and you can check it out for yourself. Um, just really practical. And it sounds like, um, certainly seems like a tool that's great for protecting against internal bias. You know, a lot of what we hear is, you know, businesses that don't have a particularly mature competitive intelligence function yet, or maybe they don't have one um, at all. The kind of attitudes towards competitors aren't very mature, um, as you might expect, like they're they're either all about, well, we don't have any competitors at all, or, uh, you know, this competitor isn't relevant for all of these reasons. Um, or they're kind of, you know, the sky's falling every time there's a new competitive development and no one kind of knows how to react. Right. Um, and if you need some focus, it just seems like a really great tool for kind of taking in all of the data that you have and that you can get your hands on, um, much of which is probably going to be opinions. Um, and then quantify it and turn it into numbers that you can, you know, quite objectively stack up against each other and say, okay, despite everyone worrying about, you know, these folks over here, it's competitor X, Y, and Z that we really need to be focused on. hundred percent. I couldn't have phrased it better. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. and, um, it, it sounds also like it, it's not just about helping to prioritize, but also, um, presumably correct me if I'm wrong, but about. Um, being able to justify decisions and kind of communicate where there's a need for something um, with leadership and perhaps some of those trickier stakeholders. Would you say that's true as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, sometimes um, even leadership uh, gets, uh, we were talking about humans and emotions before, uh, and you said uh, that sometimes you feel like the sky is falling every time a new competitor comes up. Um, even our leadership sometimes gets caught in those emotions and you need to get them to um, uh, see the data as it is. Uh, if you give a specific recommendation, you need to be able to back it up uh, because they're going to ask you, why are we looking into this? 
Why are we prioritizing this competitor competitor over this competitor? Um, why do you think more marketing or product or engineering resources need to be fed into the fight against this competitor rather than that competitor? Uh, I can come with that scorecard and show this is why, because they are um, taking a few examples from, from the blog. Um, um, you, you might be able to read it later, uh, but uh, they're number one in the Gartner and Forrester analyst reports. Uh, they're a consecutive leader in those reports and we need to, and, and customers are buying according to that. So we need to um, pay more attention. Uh, we might be losing more to them. So that's another thing that we might need to pay attention more to. You can also um, break it down to those specific factors and see where that threat is higher or lower, not only in the aggregate score, but also in those specific factors. So you might want to focus more on wins and losses rather than um, how you come across in analyst reports. That's also something that it can help with. Awesome. Um, what I think that leads quite nicely onto is something that we've not spoken a whole bunch about yet, um, but that's um, sources of competitive intelligence. So I'm kind of wondering, how do you like to gather competitive intelligence? What sources do you favor? Do you find give you the best return on your time? You sort of mentioned wins and losses there. Um, that's obviously a very popular one, quite a powerful one. Um, which ones do you turn to first? Yeah, uh, great question. So aside from uh, our own CRM data and looking into the data of wins and losses, um, I I go mostly to some uh, like trusted industry sources, which can be either internal, like those stakeholders that we were talking about before. Um, they might be subject matter experts. They might be uh, someone who's knowledgeable in that field, who's in your company and you can get some intel uh, from. Uh, and they can be external sources. So those can be, um, for me, mostly it's uh, websites that uh, I know that publish specific uh, news about our competitors, have thought pieces about the market, about our industry. Um, that's something that I look into, into a lot. And um, something that I think not everyone does, and maybe we don't do enough, um, we maybe did it more before COVID, but uh, we need to be doing it more uh, right now, is uh, going to conferences. Uh, I find that conferences are the golden nugget for me. Like I, I find so many golden nuggets in those conferences. Um, uh, there's There are a few specific ones in our industry, but for every industry, there's a specific conference that everyone goes to at least one a year. Um, where the industry is at, where there's news coming in from, um, where you can talk to all of the different vendors. Uh, so talk to different customers as well. You can really engage with people who are doing what you are doing in the same industry and the, the actual practitioners, and even talk to the competitors themselves, uh, have a friendly chat. Uh, never disguise yourself. We don't do that, but um, uh, come as yourself and you can sometimes have a nice chat that that's fine. Um, and you can gain a lot of intel from those conferences. I think that's, that's for me, that's proven to be the most important thing in terms of getting intel about competitors, but also intel about the market and where the industry is going to. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you have much experience with kind of your own doing your own customer research this seems like a source 
of CI that's um, probably quite time and resource intensive, but one that could be, you know, pretty powerful outside of obviously the CRM data and win loss data that you're able to pull, I guess, much more efficiently from the work that's being done kind of naturally in customer success and sales. Um, is that something you have much, much experience with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I try to, as in general, as a team, we try to join as many uh, calls with customers as we can. Uh, that's not something scalable that you can do all the time, um, but uh, we definitely try to join those calls. Then we're able to ask some questions, um, um, maybe interview the customer a bit about their current solutions and why they're considering us, why they're considering moving away from us. That might be the case as well. Uh, so you can you can do that while they're still your customer. Um, that's that's one point. Um, another another thing we do is we go through Gong recordings. Uh, so we use Gong internally. Any call recording uh, um, management system that you have in your in your organization can be great for customer intel. Um, you don't have to be on the call itself. That's helpful because then you can ask questions, uh, but you can also just listen to the recordings, listen to what customers are saying about your product, about competitors' products, and um, get a lot of intel from that. Um, and another thing which I haven't delved into enough yet, but we're trying to do more, is win-loss interviews. Um, and that's kind of after the fact, after the competitor, after the customer, sorry, has uh, joined you or left you uh, or given up on you completely, you can you can talk to them and try to gain more intel on why that happened. And that's something that we're definitely looking into more now. Yeah, yeah. Win-loss is something that comes up a lot um, in conversations um, with, with people that we speak to. And it always comes back to being, you know, one of the one of the more powerful sources for, for quite obvious reasons. I think it, it uncovers sort of the reasons that um buyers buy or perhaps say no to your product in favor of, of someone else's um is it is it is it a budget thing that sort of stopped you so far is it a resource thing um because i know that a lot of people favor using kind of a, a third party to do it for um for kind of conflict of interest isn't necessarily the, the right word but the, that sort of thing perhaps you know customers are more willing to speak openly to someone who's not so involved. Exactly. That's that's exactly the challenge that we've been having. Um, we've tried to do it internally or by ourselves. We haven't been able to get enough customers to uh, interact with us for it to be something that we can actually count on in terms of um, large amounts of data that are enough to to quantify something or to see to benchmark it. Um, but uh, so that yeah, that's definitely the biggest challenge right now. Um, I think on one hand, it's best to, if you do it on your own, if a customer is willing to speak to you, um, sometimes that if you keep it professional, sometimes that personal connection can still help you, um, later on. So that's something that, that I think is, is valuable. Is there anything you found that's kind of easy to forget during your day-to-day -day role that has a big impact that someone just coming in, you'd, you'd think, oh, you know, this piece of advice will really save them a lot of time or a lot of hassle, um, kind of any pitfalls um, you've noticed in, in CI that, that are easy to get easy to get trapped by, or, or perhaps even pitfalls that other stakeholders fall into that with your intel, you can kind of help them out and, and help them avoid those. Uh, I think something that I learned a bit too late 
is the importance of coalitions inside the organization. Um, so when you have a specific recommendation, when you want to, and I think this is important in any role, not just competitive intelligence, uh, when you want to get something done, uh, it's better to have a lot more people uh, to review that recommendation or that research with a lot of people, uh, get a coalition, get some people to uh, support you on that. And then it's a lot easier to carry out decisions and carry out um all kinds of uh, things that you want to make happen in the organization. Uh, when you have more people on board, that's easier and you get less uh, barriers in the way. And one thing that's really helped to do that is, aside from doing internal reviews uh, with, with people and getting them on board, is also the next step of that is doing some cross-functional meetings within the organization. So something we do at JFrog is uh, a quarterly cross-functional meeting that is dedicated to competitive intelligence um, and usually dedicated to a specific competitor that we all do a deep dive on. Uh, and again, this is a cross-functional meeting. So we have someone from uh, sales, marketing, um, um, finance, even product engineering uh, from the executive team. Everyone's involved. Uh, you get everyone in the same room, talk about the same competitor. Uh, you have the executive team in there. So people are then accountable for the action items that come out of that room. And it's tricky. It's not easy to do and easy to get everyone uh, to follow up. And even if people are committed to follow, to following up, it's not easy to, um, in one hour, maybe 90 minutes, get all of those action items and get those discussions out of the way. Um, because sometimes they get heated up. Uh, so it's a bit tricky. You need to get the process right. And it took us, took, took us a few iterations, but now I think we're, we're getting it pretty much, uh, right. Um, people are then following up on things to do. And then we have a company-wide approach versus a specific competitor that allows us to compete better. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So um, mostly it seems like uh, centered around breaking down those silos and getting everyone talking about competitive intelligence, getting yeah. everyone to weigh on it, in on it so that you know all that disparate knowledge can be collated in one place um, with with you, the competitive intelligence expert in the company, with these coalitions, and and I guess having the regular cadence of a quarterly meeting with everybody keeps it in the back of their mind, so they know there's always another one coming up. Um, they know when to expect it, and I guess especially after a few iterations of the meeting, like you said, um, as people discover things in the day to day, they're going to note them down and 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 have them top of mind for when the next meeting rolls around. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, just to end on then, um, how can people perform their competitive intelligence responsibilities more efficiently? Do you think um, so? Uh, a big challenge, obviously, as we've kind of alluded to throughout the conversation, is uh, a lot of teams are very small. Um, it's either one person, two people, sometimes. Um, do you have any tips or tricks for people to get the most out of their program for their time and their energy? Yeah, absolutely. So two important things. One was already mentioned. Uh, so one would be the weekly or monthly newsletter. Uh, that's a quick win. It doesn't require too much effort. Um, and that's something that you can do and, and gets uh, people on board very quickly and, and um, interested in competitive intelligence. And uh, the other thing that you can do 
is um, um, fake scale your team. I like to call it. Uh, you're not actually g- growing the team, but you can. You're using other people in uh, other departments. Uh, so we have this competitive ambassador uh, program within JFrog. Um, we're not uh, doing it in all of the teams as of yet. Uh, it's it's still growing, but in some teams we have uh, a competitive ambassador that is um, uh, in in charge of both bringing the competitive team intel from whatever they're doing, whether it's uh, in sales or marketing, whatever they're hearing in the field or internally even. Uh, And also we can bring them initiatives from the competitive team, uh, whether there's a new battle card that the sales team needs to know about, whether there is another different initiative that we're working on and we need team supports within the organization, we can leverage them to help us with that basically. So those uh, competitive ambassadors are kind of spread out through the company and yeah, bringing Intel and helping enable you and your program with within those individual teams. Sounds awesome. All right, Gal, thanks so much for talking with us. Um, as I said earlier, I will put the uh, the link to your blog on competitive scorecards in the show notes um, so people can check that out because it's great stuff. Thanks so much again. Amazing. Thank you, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Compete Clarity podcast. Before you go, I've got a question for you. In today's job market, differentiation is really important. Interview processes today have four, five, or even more stages, and proving your worth is getting harder all the time. How valuable would it be to you to be able to bypass all of that in the eyes of the recruiter because they're already familiar with your work? Well, listen, we want to help you by offering you the means to do just that. We'll work with you to quickly adapt your work into SEO-optimized articles, ghost-written guides, and podcast episodes just like this one. It's never been easier to differentiate yourself, so why not start today? Sound interesting? Just send an email with sign me up in the subject line to contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io. That's contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io.